Hello, this is Keith, station manager for SME Community Radio. It is 3.49 in the afternoon. What an afternoon that we have seen that has never been seen or thought of before. People of the citizenry have stormed the United States Capitol and Senate building. A place of democracy, a place of discussion, a place where lawmakers Wait a second. were Can I interject to... uh, all of a sudden? Interject? This, I just is, want, this, uh, this is Miguel, by the way. You know I mean, just, to, just to tie into what he was saying or whatever, and don't get it twisted, okay? Republicans, supporters, you know I mean? Autocratic, seditious, treasonous, you know I mean? Citizens of, uh, of this country who have told or whatever, lived their lives or whatever, by the form of government that we existed and look at what happened, all right? We had... We have a commander-in-chief or whatever who, you know, shouldn't even be spoken in the same sentence, whatever, because he can't lead a soul, all right? To incite people to come to the Capitol, what's going to happen? He can't be selfish and all of a sudden think that, that, that he does not have any culpability to what just happened. And any Republican who, you mean, Trump is the leader of the Republican Party, is he not? All right? On top of governing all of us, which he has done a crappy job of, all right, by wearing this mask and we've had 360 plus thousand people die, to then have all of a sudden citizens of the country storm our capital, storm our capital for this douchebag. All these Republicans were complicit. You have no self righteous avenue to wiggle yourself odd complicity that you have created to help have this happen to our country. I'm a supporter of this flag. How is that a support of the of the people who have died for our country to give us the freedoms and liberty that we live under? The man lost. Go back in four years, figure out what you have to do, readjust your policies, try to unite people. He lost. And people can't deal with them. And can deal with the fact that that happened. So look at where we're at. And own it. I'm done. There's a lot of anger, a lot of sentiment. I am personally shocked of what's been happening. We are doing our best to keep you informed of the latest. What we know from NPR and other sources is that the chambers of the House, the chambers of the Senate have been breached. There has been one reported lady, according to NPR, that they took out on a stretcher, a gunshot victim. Um, Trump is trying to straighten things out, but he, you know, it's a little too late in my personal opinion because he had his rally approximately 11 to 12 o'clock this afternoon, and then all this began. There's a lot that all of us have feelings of. This is just a... We knew things were coming, but we never imagined it looked like this. I did. I said, I said that to you months ago. Months ago. Several months ago. Not just recently, several months ago. You know what I mean? And, and what frustrates me is that the self-righteousness or whatever support of this man or whatever, this wasn't obvious. Well, I know there's Ask a lot of... yourself, was this not obvious? Don't come all of a sudden and act 
that this is shocking and this is horrible, which it is. But this was coming. And and it's it was as obvious as what you see in the mirror every day you look at it. I am that's what's shocking. That that, that people that that should have known better and I knew better are acting shocked by it. So you need you all need to think about that. All of us do. Cuz as far as I'm concerned that's a bunch of crap. That all of a sudden when the crap hits the fan, you know what I mean, people are shocked. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, you know what I mean? We need healthy government or whatever to legislate and govern all of us to have an equal, you know what I mean? A, a, an equal footing under the law created equally. Equally. Not, 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 not biased because somebody doesn't look like you. Who is it? White? You know? I'm like, you know what I mean? We all, we all feel hurt, cry, joy, whatever the case may be. Nobody does anything more than anybody else can experience. Some people just like making it harder for others to experience that. You don't see that as a problem? You know, honestly, we need to unite and get together and, and move all of us, our, our way of life, civilization, humanity, forward. And look at what's going on. How does that help that effort? Think about this. It's a cocktail or whatever to a, to a, a complete autocratic, misogynistic narcissist who is not even conservative for God's sakes. And this is what comes from that? Please. I'm done. Okay. Well, there's a lot going on. We're going to continue to let you know. At this point, I'm asking everybody to please give comments, but keep them civil. Miguel has kept his comments civil, but he has spoken his piece, and we have a lot of peace to speak. I am quite appalled by what has happened. And we knew things were coming. My personal opinion, my personal opinion, okay, is I personally think that by the end of the day today, or in the next, by the end of the week, because of this violence that has happened today at the United States Capitol Senate, incited by the president, and yeah, I would I would agree with Miguel. Is I have a feeling that the lawmakers are going to enact the Twenty Fifth Amendment, which means they would revoke, remove the president of the United States. But the Senate has to it has to be a unanimous vote, or not a unanimous, but a unanimous consent, which has to be like sixty some odd percent. Uh, uh, of the Senate would have to vote to get the to 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 get this man removed from office today. But if anybody can see the reports and the videos and everything that came off or whatever, when this ceremonial process every four years happens, it should be a no-brainer. The votes have been certified by the vice president or whatever, or the president of the Senate or whatever, which is, you know, what's his face? I'm like Mike Pence or whatever. He's no leader either. He's just he's just there, or whatever. But his job was there to provide to, to 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 just deal with the process, you know, and, and and to to announce what the what the votes are, and and you mean Trump lost? It sucks for some of you all, but he lost, and he lost fair and square. Three hundred and six 
electoral votes or whatever throughout the country, same margin that he won by. He got an inside straight and won by 70,000 votes, y'all. That's the reality. That's not fake news. That's a reality. And just the state of Pennsylvania alone, he lost by 150 plus thousand votes. This wasn't even close. There's no fraud. Think about this, people. Unbrainwash yourselves and look at reality. Because sure as hell, reality just smacked us in the face. Don't you think so? It's This is craziness. And it pisses me off because I have had family members and friends have served the country. And to have some of these people out or whatever for what they're doing for this douchebag, that pisses me off. Gotta go. Alright. I think we have a lot of soul searching. I'm I'm just shocked what's going on. And I think a lot of us have the same feelings and voices as Miguel. Please comment. Please give me your thoughts. But, as Miguel did, please keep them within our guidelines. No cussing. You know, stay within our boundaries. That's all I ask. We will be actively following this as long as it takes. This is SME Community Radio. Stay tuned for more. This is not over yet. That was one year ago this very afternoon on January 6th, 2021. An unbelievable event in American history. A tragic event and a very shake-up and a fright for the American democratic process set forth by the Constitution of the United States in how it conducts business and the process of the American election system. It is January 6, 2022. How are you doing out there? My name is Keith Thews, your station manager on this episode of Remembrance on the events that took place. On our iRadio channel today, we have the speeches by Vice President Kamala Harris and President Joe Biden. We have other programs that are playing currently that are worth listening to to commemorate the tragic events of one year ago this afternoon in which supporters of then-President Donald J. Trump, extremists, fanatics, and so on, stormed the House of Democracy, the Capitol building, put up gallows to try to kill Vice President Pence and Speaker Nancy Pelosi, ransacked the building and frightened all the lawmakers while they were trying to do their democratic system of finalizing the vote for President of the United States. But in the face of such horror, democracy still continued. 
and the vote was finalized. So on this episode today, this special look back, we're going to take pause and listen to the memorial from Nancy Pelosi and Congress, and then open it up for those of us on the staff of News Source One to give our comments. So now we turn everything over to the ABC television network for their coverage of the memorial and the moment of silence on this, the one-year anniversary of the attack on the Capitol. One year later, now reporting, David Muir. Hello, everyone, and we're coming back on the air at this hour. It is noon here in the east on this January 6th, one year since the attack on the Capitol. We are expecting very shortly here House Speaker Nancy Pelosi will lead the House in a moment of silence as the nation commemorates, remembers the January 6th attack on the Capitol. Just a short time ago, we heard from President Biden and Vice President Harris, the president directly blaming former President Trump for the insurrection, saying amid the horror that the country and the world witnessed, what we did not see, he said, the president off of the Oval Office in a room watching the events as they unfolded. Just off the Oval Office doing nothing, watching with lives at risk, with the Capitol under attack. President Biden says troops, uh, Trump's bruised ego mattered more to him than our democracy and constitution. Speaker Pelosi calling this January 6th a period of remembrance, of reconciliation. But of course, in a sign of the true challenge that remains ahead, most Republicans are staying away from today's events, uh, many downplaying the significance of this day. We see the speaker entering, uh, wearing masks, of course, a reminder of the time that we're in, just one of the many challenges uh, the country continues to face. Let's listen to Speaker Pelosi. The House will be in order. The prayer will be offered by our chaplain, Chaplain Kibben. Would you pray with me? Sovereign God, these times are in your hands. Incline your ear to us and hear our prayers for our Congress, for our nation, for its people. As compatriots, we are too often separated by politics and perspectives, individual certainties and intractable opinions. On this anniversary of national discord and despair, send your healing spirit among us and tend to the dispiritedness and disagreement here within and around the people's house. This day, into your hands, we commend our spirits of fear, anger, and uncertainty, and ask that you would revive in us our shared commitment to this country's highest ideals, its strength in its diversity, its power in its defense of the common good. On these virtues was our country founded, and for them countless heroes have sacrificed. Remind us, inspire us, the aggrieved, the skeptical, the disenfranchised, all of us, to hold true and remain worthy of this noble heritage. We offer the words of Abraham Lincoln that once again we would emerge from our national turmoil with malice toward none, and charity for all, with firmness in the right as you give us to see the right, to finish the work we are in, to bind up the nation's wounds, to do all which may achieve and cherish a just and lasting peace among ourselves. 
Merciful God, restore to us this sacred obligation of unity and moral purpose. Inspire us to live lives which serve as a witness to your restoration and reconciliation. We pray your peace over your people. In your sovereign name we pray. Amen. The chaplain, Rear Admiral Margaret Kibben. Pursuant to uh, Section 11A of Resolution 188, the Journal of the Last Day's Proceedings is approved. The Pledge of Allegiance be, be, will be led by the gentleman from Massachusetts, Mr. McGovern. Pursuant to Section 4A of House Resolution 829, no organization or legislative business will be conducted on this day. The chair will address the, the ch chamber. Today, one year ago, the Capitol and those who work within it were targeted in a violent insurrection that sought to undermine democracy. As we acknowledge the horror of that day, we honor the heroism of so many, particularly U.S. Capitol Police, institutional staff, floor leadership, committee and member staff. We had a session this morning uh, where we could say thank you to many of them. Unfortunately, COVID did not enable us to have the full house. We will have another time when the attending physician allows. Uh, but as we acknowledge the horror of that day, in the face of extreme danger, they all risked their safety for our democracy by protecting the Capitol complex, members, staff, press, etc., uh, press within, safeguarding the ballots in those mahogany boxes to validate the election, and ensuring that Congress could accomplish our purpose and our honor, honor our duty to the Constitution and to our country. That day and in the days after, they were the defenders of our democracy, and their courage and patriotism remain an inspiration. Because of them, Congress was able to defeat the insurrection, to return to the Capitol that same night to ensure that the peaceful transfer of power took place. Because of them and our members, the insurrection failed. One year later, this sacred space where members legislate, children learn, visitors are welcomed, was defiled and damaged, we know that. As we reflect on that darkest day, we remember that the insurrection sought not only to attack the building, but to undermine democracy itself. When the violent assault was made on the Capitol, its purpose was to thwart Congress's constitutional duty to validate the electoral count and to ensure the peaceful transfer of power. But the assault did not deter us from our duty, I say again. In this capital, a symbol of democracy to the world, that evening, the Congress, because of the courage of all of you, rose to honor our oath and protect our democracy. We did so honoring the words of President Lincoln during the Civil War. Fellow citizens, he said, we cannot escape history. We will be remembered in spite of ourselves no personal significance or insignificance can spare us one or another. We hold the power, therefore we bear the responsibility, Lincoln said. Today we accept responsibility as daunting and demanding as any that previous generations of leadership have faced. 
Since the January 6th inspiration, there have been continued assaults on our democracy, undermining the sanctity of the vote and the integrity of our elections, which are the basis of our democracy. Let us be true to the vision of our founders who brilliantly established our democracy and made it a model for the world. Let us honor the sacrifice of our men and women in uniform who protect that freedom with their lives. And let us remember the words of another president, our patriarch, George Watt, President George Washington. When he delivered the Constitution to the Congress, he said this. He said, this Constitution represents the creation of a government which would allow for the continuation of rigorous debate but relies upon the common sense and good faith of the American people to find the better angels of our nature. As we proceed, let us find our common ground, reach our nation's heights with liberty and justice for all, remembering the words of our great patriarch and in the spirit that our chaplain referenced of President Lincoln, with malice toward none, with charity toward all. Let us acknowledge today as I conclude, I want to acknowledge our fallen heroes of that day. U.S. Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick, U.S. Capitol Police Officer Howard Livingood, Metropolitan Officer Jeffrey Smith, U.S. Capitol Police Officer Billy Evans of a later assault. Now I ask all members to rise for a moment of silence in their memory. Thank you. Pursuant to Section 11B of House Resolution 188, the House stands adjourned until 6.30 p.m. on Monday, January 10th, 2022. So there you hear it. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi with her words uh, honoring the bravery of that day, saying they hope to do this again when the House chamber uh, is fuller. Uh, obviously, the pandemic prevents many from being in that room or certainly being close to one another. Of course, the politics of this time is another factor uh, in the reason we see uh, primarily Democrats in that room. I want to bring in our chief Washington correspondent, uh, Jonathan Carl. Uh, John, you witnessed that moment of silence, obviously extremely powerful, particularly in light of, of hearing from those officers again last night who, who defended the Capitol. They said there are many whose names are not known to this day uh, who saved one another uh, from that assault and, of course, those who lost their lives and took their own lives uh, in the weeks and months that followed because of uh, what they have been dealing with ever since, the, the private suffering. I want to ask you, though, about the partisan display, even on a day like today with this moment of silence. The vast majority, if not all of the people on that House floor serving the country right now are were Democrats. Uh, you've talked with one key Republican, though, who thought it was important to come. David, it is striking that, for the most part, Republicans are absent from this commemoration. Republican leaders in the House and the Senate are not in Capitol Hill. They are not in Washington. They are not taking part in these 
uh, in these commemorations at all. There is one very notable exception, and I just spoke to him minutes before he walked onto the House chamber to be there for that moment of silence, and that is uh, the former Vice President, Dick Cheney, uh, uh, one of the most prominent Republican elder statesmen alive in America today. Uh, he decided to be here today. He came with his daughter, Liz, who is another one of the very few uh, Republicans taking part of this, obviously a central figure in the January 6th committee investigating what happened one year ago today. And Dick Cheney was there. I spoke to him briefly before he walked into the House chamber, and he told me, I, I said, why are you here? Why did you feel it was important to be here? And he told me it is an important historical event. You can't overestimate how important it is, referring to this anniversary of January 6th. And then he told me something uh, that I think will make a lot of waves today, uh, uh, David. Uh, he told me that he is deeply disappointed in the Republican leadership. That is, those are his exact words. He said, I am deeply disappointed in the Republican leadership. And he was specifically talking about how they have handled the events of January 6th and the aftermath and uh, what he described as a failure to defend the Constitution. Strong words from somebody who was not only the former Vice President of the United States, a former uh, Chief of Staff to a Republican President, but also uh, somebody who served here in the House as a member of the Republican leadership. Um, and somebody uh, looked up to many, many of the people currently in Republican leadership as a mentor, as somebody who they admire. Uh, and he is telling them today that he is disappointed in how they have handled uh, January 6th in the aftermath. John Carl reporting here. Very strong words from a former Vice President Dick Cheney today who uh, decided to come to the Capitol on this day. Uh, certainly not only to support democracy, but uh, his daughter, uh, one of uh, the lone Republicans uh, on that committee investigating January 6th. Of course, just a few Republicans in that room. I want to bring in our senior White House correspondent, Mary Bruce. She's live at the White House. And Mary, there's already reaction to President Biden, what he said earlier today. And uh, you've been covering this president for his uh, first year in office. He tried to stay away from the former president uh, as much as he could. But today uh, he did not hold back. He certainly did not hold back, David, and we are already seeing some Republicans coming out and accusing the president of trying to politicize this moment. But I do think it's striking to note that the president not only uh, issued a very stern, harsh rebuke of former President Trump, but he also called out Republicans who he says fear the wrath of the former president. Those Republican lawmakers who continue to perpetuate the big lie about this election. The president sending a clear message to those 147 Republicans who still, even after the insurrection, after the violence last year went into the chamber and continued to vote to overturn the will of the people. President Biden is really casting this moment, uh, not saying that the January 6th that the insurrection was somehow a culmination of President Trump's presidency, but really just a dangerous chapter in this ongoing campaign uh, against our democracy. The president vowing to fight this, saying he will allow no one to place a dagger at the throat of democracy, David. Saying it's an inflection point, not only in this country, but around the world for democracy. Mary Bruce, our thanks to you. I want to bring in our chief justice correspondent, uh, Pierre Thomas. Pierre, you and I watched together last night as that interview played with three of the officers uh, who defended the Capitol. You heard that one word come up repeatedly in the interview, accountability. Uh, when I pressed them on what that meant, whether that meant the former president, they said, uh, absolutely, it does not matter who uh, they find accountable. They must find all, though, accountable, those who participated, who showed up, but those who planned and encouraged this as well. And you have reporting here on the attorney general, who, of course, was very careful uh, with his words in the last 24 hours. 
Indeed he was, David, but he wanted to make clear that this investigation is far from over and they will follow the facts wherever they lead. He's making the point that they will hold people accountable, not just who breached the Capitol, not just the people who committed acts of violence, but anyone who was involved in the planning of that violence. So that could include people who were communicating with some of the people there that could go as far up to President Trump. We don't know. The investigation will look at that very closely. That's a high bar to meet. But one of the things that struck me, David, very quickly here is the law enforcement officers that you spoke to are scarred still to this day. They're still healing, uh, dealing with what they dealt with, the racism, the fighting, one describing it as a medieval fight. You spoke with them. It was a privilege to talk to these officers. And we can see even today that they're still living with this every day. I spoke to Harry Dunn last night. He told me that he, this is not an anniversary for him, that he lives this pain every single day. And you point out the suffering, uh, and they say in many cases private suffering. They've chosen to come forward. They respect those who have not, uh, and they encourage those who are still suffering from PTSD uh, to get help. And, and if it means reaching out to those three officers, they are, they are willing to take that call, saying there, are, there is a lot of pain one year later. I want to bring in Terry Moran, because one of the things the president uh, clearly tried to do today, Terry, was methodically go down the facts, saying that many Republican supporters of, of the former president uh, have called into question the results of the presidential election, but then everywhere else on the ballot beneath the president, uh, Republicans had a very strong election day a year ago. There's no questioning of that. Uh, he pointed out the governors in the battleground states, the former AG, the former president's own AG, saying there's no uh, widespread fraud, no evidence of that. Tried to lay out the facts, but moving forward here, that's not going to erase the, the very real reality here that many people have their, their own set of facts, their own truth. That is so true, David, and it's an existential threat to Joe Biden's presidency, and he believes to the democracy. Remember, uh, he came into this uh, race for president in 2020 saying it was a battle for the soul of America, and he said those words again today. And January 6th shows how daunting that is. This week, uh, I spoke with a Capitol Police Lieutenant, Ted Hopkins, and just like the officers you and Pierre spoke with, he too was on the front lines. He told me he felt like he was fighting a cult. His word cult said he couldn't believe it was real and in fact many of the attackers that day uh, had been lost in an alternative reality they were living in a different world and millions more americans who weren't here reject violence have nevertheless fully embraced a provably false version of the 2020 election uh, they've done their own research on facebook they've gotten swept up in conspiracy theories on the right-wing media uh, and they no court no journalist, no committee of Congress, no president will convince them otherwise. And that's Joe Biden's challenge. No previous president has ever had to face anything like this. If we don't share the same reality, how can we share a common land, a soul? Important question. President Biden saying he did not choose this challenge, but that he will not shy away from it. Our thanks to Terry Moran as well. Our coverage uh, will continue on ABC News Live, abcnews.com as well. And of course, I'll be back with the entire team for World News Tonight. For many of you, it's back to your local news. I'm David Muir in New York. We'll see you later. Good day. This has been a special report from ABC News. Welcome back. That was this afternoon's remembrance at the Capitol. 
courtesy of ABC Television Network. January 6, 2021 was a very tragic attack in which seven individuals passed away. And we want to take pause to remember those who gave their lives protecting democracy. From a New York Times article by Chris Cameron, these are the people who died in connection with the Capitol riot. A bipartisan Senate report found that at least seven people had lost their lives in connection with the January 6th attack. By Chris Cameron, January 5th, 2022 Washington as a pro-Trump protest turned into a violent attack on the Capitol on January 6th last year, four people in the crowd died. Ashley Babbitt, an Air Force veteran, was fatally shot by a Capitol Police officer as rioters tried to breach the House chamber. Kevin D. Greeson died of a heart attack, collapsing on the sidewalk west of the Capitol on January 6. Roseanne Boyland appeared to have been crushed in a stampede of fellow rioters as they surged against the police. Benjamin Phillips, the founder of a pro-Trump website called Trumparoo, died of a stroke. Mr. Greeson and Mr. Phillips died of natural causes, the Washington Medical Examiner said in April. He added that Ms. Boyland's death was caused by an accidental overdose. In the days and weeks after the riot, five police officers who had served at the Capitol on January 6 died. Officer Brian D. Sicknick of the Capitol Police, who was attacked by the mob, died on January 7. Officer Jeffrey Smith of the Metropolitan Police Department killed himself after the attack. Officer Howard S. Liebengood of the Capitol Police also died by suicide four days afterward. The Capitol Police had previously said that Officer Sicknick died from injuries sustained while physically engaging with protesters. The Washington Medical Examiner later ruled that he had died of natural causes, multiple strokes that occurred hours after Officer Sicknick's confrontation with the mob. The Medical Examiner added, however, that all that transpired played a role in his condition. A bipartisan Senate report, released in June, found that the seven deaths were connected to the Capitol attack. But the report was issued a month before two Metropolitan Police officers Gunther Hachida and Kyle DeFreitag died by suicide in July. The police agencies have not classified the four total suicides as line-of-duty deaths that would provide the victims' families with enhanced benefits. Washington law excludes suicide deaths from the line-of-duty designation. About 150 officers from the Capitol Police, the Metropolitan Police Department and local agencies were injured, and hundreds of workers were traumatized by the mob. In its final report, the House Select Committee investigating January 6th could mention an official death toll from the violence. And to wrap things up today, myself and anybody else from our New Source One Michigan staff have recorded our thoughts, our feelings on this anniversary. And so we'll wrap things up with staff comments from 
your source of information, News Source 1, Michiana. This is John Schaefer with a small commentary on the January 6 riots of 2021. And it's now a year later, and we are still dealing with the legal ramifications and the political ramifications of this riot on the White House, on the Capitol, um, that was instituted by then-President Trump. Um, I think it's disgraceful that it has to take this long. And, you know, now that we're looking at a year plus that uh, we're trying to still arrest people and sentence them through the courts when this should have high priority. Um, I just find it's very lacking with our judicial system and our political system. Um, taking this somewhat lightly and it needs to be brought to a swift ending and resolve. These are my thoughts. This is John Schaefer. Thank you for listening. Happy Thursday. This is your station manager, Keith Thews, with my thoughts on this, the one-year anniversary of the attack on the Capitol, the riot, the insurrection, call it what you may. And as I look through the presidency of Donald Trump and I go through and think about the insurrection, riot, attempted coup, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it wants to get titled by whoever wants to title it, I'm just perplexed, and, and I'm not just perplexed at Donald Trump as much as I'm also perplexed at people that followed Donald Trump. And so I'm going to address uh, uh, some of these topics, and it might seem that I'm going off on tangents, but if you listen to my comments, you're going to see that they, they are intertwined. First of all, I did not vote in the last two elections for the Democrat, and I did not vote for Donald Trump. In 19, or sorry, 2016, I didn't care for his sex talk on the bus. That totally turned me off and caused me not to vote for him. But Hillary Clinton, I did not vote for because of the email scandal. And Joe Biden, I did not vote for because of age. And Trump in 2020, I did not vote for because of his comments he made throughout the year, and I'll touch upon those in my comments. When I was always intrigued that Donald Trump did become president of the United States, and I wished him well privately, 
even though I didn't vote for him. And even before that, I myself would tune in to 1340 AM when it was talk radio prior to 2009, uh, 2002 to 2009. So it was conservative talk radio, Sean Hannity and his liberal cohort, Alan Combs and um, Glenn Beck and people like that. And I would listen and, and see comments and hear comments that I would agree with. Over time, I listened to other commentators, mostly conservative commentators, and kind of buy into the comments during the Bush era and the Obama era. Yes, I did vote for Obama in 08, but not in 12, nor did I vote for Romney in 12. But, you know, I wanted to believe the comments were there, and they send, tended to agree with social media and what we such to say with radio media. And as Trump went on, I continued to wish him the well, but things radically changed in 2020. Now, in the media aspect, I would always hear positive comments and people saying, oh, Trump's... Uh, a great guy and sent by God, etc., etc. But I would also be annoyed with folks like Chris Cuomo and Don Lemon, who are just hammer and hammer and hammer and nothing positive to say on CNN. So I always wanted to have some sort of balance and and that. But when 2020 came along with COVID. I wanted to have the best of hope to think that the pandemic would not be as severe as it came to be. So I guess I took the rosy approach and thought that our government and Trump had everything under control. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case, and we know exactly what all has happened. In addition to that... A lot of other things happened during 2020 that just were bizarre. I mean, that made Trump just weirder and weirder, in my opinion. It bothered me greatly when I saw him make the decision and his team or whoever, maybe the AG, to disperse by force the protesters for the George Floyd, there in Washington, only for him, President Trump, to go to a church with a Bible in hand to look tough, but the Bible was upside down. That was wrong, in my opinion. Very wrong. They did nothing but protest. The other comments he would make would be how things would, this or that going on with coronavirus and Yes, it also made me very mad about that coronavirus became politicized and conservatives and Republicans were easy to say, you don't need to wear the mask, it's an infringement on our civil liberties. And in my opinion, and I'm not saying this as a liberal, I'm speaking for myself, for my own judgment, for what common sense I can muster up and have. 
I saw that masks were a good thing, regardless of the party, and they needed to be worn, and I think they still do, in my opinion, but I'm talking 2020 here. And as these comments were made that were contrary to my opinions on the health, and then Trump making that crazy far out, out of the off the wall comment about fighting COVID using antiseptics or sorry, disinfectants, bleach, if you will, in the body, I was just floored. Here here is a president saying these things. But then also during Trump's presidency, I would notice people talking and they would buy into the story that the only true media was Fox News and everything else not to believe. Not CBS, NBC, ABC, definitely not CNN, definitely not MSNBC. It's all Fox or nothing. And that you'd be considered a heretic or something if you listen to anything else. And I was astonished as the years and stuff went on, though, people would become ingrained and hard-nosed and would be programmed, if you will, by what this man would say. And even others, you know, Christians and whatever, my, my co-worker Miguel, who you heard at the beginning of the podcast, with his impassioned comments, he lost his faith in the Lord because he says that, and I'm paraphrasing here, you know, Christian conservatives should have seen the truth in front of them about how Donald Trump really acted and they still went with him regardless. I know of an elderly lady, she passed away, who said that God told her that Donald Trump would still keep his presidency and we'll be back in the White House for another four years, just a few weeks before she passed away. It just astonishes me. Then, after all this, for people to believe, even our own Congresswoman Jackie Walarski, unless she's doing it out of fear, to go with the idea that Donald Trump had actually won the presidency when the rules of voting allowing take-home ballots because of the god-awful pandemic round two and that those votes would be counted after the in-person ballots would be counted fair and square with rechecks wherever needed and requested and that all that meant nothing and that Donald Trump still won as and acting very unprofessional and ungracious like yet everybody that was following and even people in Washington senators and congressmen would echo what he said it was just mind-blowing I mean even the Supreme Court said this is not the case what Jackie Walarski and others in this Texas thing did wouldn't hold up in court and didn't approve and almost like they got laughed at by the Supreme Court, three of whom were put on by Donald Trump himself and the conservatives. In that in that whole decision, I think some did abstain. 
But the stories kept going. Fraud. Ballots screwed up. As if it was the 1886 election. Which Rutherford B. Hayes won after a lot of tobacco from Tilden. It was it was just insane, just ludicrous. The the belief that people had in stuck in the nose and you couldn't tell them otherwise. And it built and it built and it built and it built and it built. And then came one year ago today, January sixth. Such an appalling scene and just an unbelievable sight of people storming the place of democratic discussion and civil discourse, discussions, desecrating this place, stealing things, spraying foam, one gentleman even walking around with a Confederate flag or the Confederate battle flag, if you will, the stars and the bars. I guess that had never been done before in the halls of Congress. People wanting to kill the vice president. People wanting to kill Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House. Yeah, in my opinion, the lady does get annoying and she needs to step down. But besides the fact, it was wrong. People going out there, making a party out of it. Such an unprecedented and resulting in the deaths and injuries of people. Seven are dead because of this mob. Seven are dead. Scars, post-traumatic stress disorder, etc., etc., etc. And yet, President Trump didn't say, stop. You've had your fun. Go home. He didn't stop them for a few hours. The party continued until, I think, somewhere between 4.30 and 6 Eastern Time. I'm also floored that the conservative media bought in on all this. He lost, or he won, he, he, he was frauded. He, he won, he won, he won, and I got proof, and I got this, and I got that. Even the MyPillow guy was caught up in the action, too. Mike Blundell, I think his name is, or Lindell. <sighs> Freedom as President Bush said in 9-11, freedom came under attack, and it was appropriate to say here. And you know what's strange is, even after the nightmare, the hell, of one year ago today, January 6, 2021, now it's 2022, there are people who still believe that he, that Joe Biden was, wasn't right. And they'll believe any of the conspiracy theories and they'll say that Tucker Carlson is a man of great integrity on Fox and that his words are true and that the thing was just, you know, it, it's crazy. Shame on those who bought into this and made it worse. Shame on Tucker Carlson. Shame on other conservative hosts, including Sean Hannity, for any comments that he made that just exacerbated Alan, Alec Jones, for his commentary, he's far out there, and he didn't help. And then you have the other guy that was, 
his right-hand man. And the other thing that people that would fall in for is he's QAnon, the social media. One guy, and I, I am not joking, I, two things that this guy told me. One was during the, before the Democratic National Committee. He told me that, oh, there's this thing called QAnon. He's somebody with the government, if I recall right, or whatever experience. And this guy's in the know. Oh, and he's saying that the Democrats were secretly going to get rid of Joe Biden, who had been voted for to be the nominee for the presidency, and that they were going to basically strip all the votes away, put him out to pasture because his brain wasn't working right, and give the president's nomination for the Democrats for 2020 to John Kasich. Obviously, what a farce, but the guy believed it. He believed it. And then on top of that, he goes and calls up his relation around the turn end of December of 2020 into the January 2021 to say that President Trump was going to be jumping in an airplane and in two hours we were going to be under martial law and the military was going to take over and scared the poor woman in another state half to death and made my even my friends concerned, which I said, that's not going to happen. There's no way. If you want to talk about any times to have martial law, my opinion, for what it's worth, I thought on the night of 9-11 to keep the peace on such a horrible night that President George W. Bush might have issued martial law or wanted to because of how tense everything was, how scary that whole day was on 9-11-01. And maybe Trump was going to be ready to issue it on the day that he kicked those protesters by force. Horrible force. There on the streets of Washington, I thought he was going to enact that that night to try to bring civil unrest into order, but he didn't. It just, you know, there's so much going on, and it's just appalling what happened last year. It's appalling that people still believe it to this very day. Anything that came out of him and his and the conservative and the conservative media feeding it all. Shame on all of those folks. I applaud those who finally realized the truth. That one lady I saw on CNN who realized that Biden was really the president when he was getting sworn in. And that all the things that she had heard from QAnon was a fake. I still am appalled that people can be brainwashed and hard-nosed even to believe that there's going to be another attack on our capital to try to put President Trump no longer back in power. I just can't believe that people would even fall for those organizations, let alone join those organizations full of hate, divisiveness, lies, and et cetera, et cetera. Wrong. Very wrong. On our radio station, yes, I do broadcast conservative talk show hosts and progressive liberal talk show hosts. And I was told 
by our old Joel Irvin that this radio station can serve as a ministry, a ministry of dialogue, a ministry of discussion in civil, calm, rational ways. And I hope that the programs we bring here, which I make sure that they're not going to feed into the Trump's discussion. I think that the big lie, quote unquote, was the right appropriate thing to call it. So I'm making sure that stuff like that doesn't get out much. I allow some discussion, some opinions, but I definitely don't want to have or see any more actions like what happened one year ago today. And I'm hoping that this radio station ministry of ours, bringing you both right-wing conservative discourse, discussion, viewpoints, progressive liberal discussion, will engage you guys to talk. I like what Beowulf has to say on Face Palm America about his podcast. People go and sit around and talk about a podcast, and they sit around and they discuss everything in rational, civil ways. We need to calmly and rationally talk with those who have been programmed and hard-nosed with what President Trump and conservative media and conservative discussions have been having and show them that they've been tricked, they've been deceived. I know that the liberals aren't perfect by any sort of imagination. There's things I don't agree with them. But they need to be shown that they've been tricked and that it is okay to hear both sides of the coin and for them to make up the mind and not allow folks to make it up for them. I want to thank you for listening today to our special on the one-year anniversary of the January 6th attacks. Until tomorrow, I bid you peace. We pray for those who lost their lives. We pray for those moving forward in our government. May God be with us in the future. Thank you for listening. Music.